His omnibenevolence should be the most meaningful attribute to us. He is the almighty, all-knowing, ever-present God, but He is truly a good God. He loves us. He loves you and me. And He does things every day that prove this over and over, more than we could ever imagine. He gives us life. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. In today's message, we will explain why we can trust in the Lord. In a world where there is so much uncertainty, who or what can we trust? Who or what has the ability to truly give us everything we need? All the things that would even be impossible to enumerate. No one has done what the Lord has done for us because no one outside of Him has the abilities He has. We can trust in the Lord because of how He uses all the abilities He possesses toward our eternal benefit. There is no one like the Lord, and you should be able to surely trust someone like that. Today's message is inspired in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, Mighty God, we praise you, we worship you, we exalt you, O Lord. For there is no one like you, O Lord God. No one can do the things that you do, Lord God. Heavenly Father, no one is like the Lord. I praise you and I worship you, O Lord God, for who you are, for what you are. And Heavenly Father, for the way that you love us. For the way that you show your mercy and your grace and your love toward us, Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O God, that you please forgive my sins, my wrongs, everything that I've done against you. Heavenly Father, I praise you again because you are truly merciful and good. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life that we find through him. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray for your guidance. I pray, O oh Lord, Heavenly Father, that you help us to understand your ways. Help us to understand who you are and what you do for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We'll be reading today from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. This is the word of the Lord. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah's begot Perez and Sarah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab. Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon, and Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon begot Rehoboam, Rehoboam begot Abijah, and Abijah begot Asa, and Asa begot Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat begot Joram, and Joram begot Uzziah, and Uzziah begot Jotham. Jotham begot Ahaz, and Ahaz begot Hezekiah. Hezekiah begot Manasseh, Manasseh begot Amon, and Amon begot Josiah. Josiah begot Jeconiah, and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel, and Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begot Ebud. Abud begot Eliakim, and Eliakim begot Azor, 
And Azor begot Zadok, Zadok begot Achim, and Achim begot Eliud. Eliud begot Eleazar, Eleazar begot Mathen, and Mathen begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are fourteen generations. From David unto the captivity in Babylon are fourteen generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are fourteen generations. It was no accident that the genealogy of Christ was what it was. And the precision that was carried out in his generations prior to his carnal birth when he took on our human form. It should become quite evident that God is in control and that chance or luck has nothing to do with why things happen the way they happen. That is why it should be impossible to believe that our existence is an accident and that the universe and everything in it are a collection of things all happening in randomness. Where there is a design, an order, a structure, there must be someone behind all of that. There is a God. Having said this, one of the things that can be gleaned through this passage, through an overview, if you will, is that God is God and that we can trust in such a God, in a Lord that is master over all things. What ultimately makes God the person he is, God's attributes or who God is can be explained generally in four concepts through his omnipotence, his omniscience, his omnipresence, and finally his omnibenevolence. These are the four things, if you will, that somehow describe the God of the Bible. If we start by his omnipotence, which means having unlimited power or able to do anything, we do see this in everything that exists, his unlimited power. The amount of energy that exists in creation is quite outstanding. How could all of these incredible things have been spoken into existence? That is only a testament to just how mighty the Lord is. One day he said, let there be. And there it was, and still is, what he spoke into existence, and they remain exactly where he established them. The stars are where they are. The planets move the way they do because God situated them. The psalmist said, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. Romans chapter 1 says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Everything that exists tell of who God is and of his power. And all existence depends on the person of God, on Jesus Christ. For it is also written, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And so the Lord is omnipotent. His second attribute is that he is omniscient or all-knowing. There is nothing that the Lord does not know. All things are open and clear to him from eternity to eternity. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 139, the following, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Hebrews chapter 4 says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, 
but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Psalm 11 says, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. And then Proverbs 15 says the following, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. And so it is quite clear throughout that the Lord sees and knows absolutely everything. There is nothing hidden from him. He sees what is in plain sight and what is in secret. He sees where there is light and also where it is dark. He knows everything, including our hearts and minds, our thoughts and intentions, and he will judge accordingly. Jeremiah chapter 17 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. His third attribute is related to being able to know everything, to be an omniscient. He is also omnipresent or present everywhere at the same time. That's why he knows everything, because believe it or not, he is everywhere at the same time. His presence is inescapable. Psalm 139, 7-8 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. And so no matter where you are or where you go, you cannot go away from his presence. He is everywhere. And finally, included with the Lord being omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, we have this last yet most meaningful and probably difficult to understand attribute of the Lord, that he is omnibenevolent, or rather that he possesses perfect or unlimited goodness. I say it is difficult to understand because we are very limited beings and we are the ones that fail to see everything good that he does for us. Most people think he is bad or evil either because they feel that God doesn't let them do what they want or they judge him because of all of the evil that exists in the world. The truth is that God is good and together with that, he is patient, kind, and extremely merciful. Psalm 118 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, his mercy endures forever. Matthew chapter 5 also says, But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. That is one of the main signs of his goodness, that he is good to his enemies. And who are his enemies? This is hard to accept for many people, but we are not born being children of God. Because of our sinful nature, we are born as children of wrath. Colossians chapter 2 explains, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others." So this whole notion that many people have that we are all children of God is just not true. We are born as enemies of God. 
But yet, and as we just read, that even though we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and we were all part of the world under the dominion of sin and ultimately Satan, he gave us the opportunity of salvation through the death and sacrifice of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. He sacrificed what was most loved by him for us. For it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That is the extent of his love. He didn't just say that he loved us, but rather he showed it in the most profound and sacrificial manner. He showed his love through his actions. He allowed for his only begotten son, the Messiah, our Lord and Savior, to let go of his holy and sacred position in heaven and to be born into this imperfect and fallen world, to take upon himself our feeble and weak form, to live as a humble, poor and simple man, and ultimately so that he could die, so that he could be the holy and unblemished sacrifice, so that through his blood, all of our sins could be washed away once and for all. In addition to this incredible love sacrifice, he exercises his goodness all of the time by not treating us according to our many sins and wrongs. We all deserve to die both physically and spiritually for our sin, whether a lot or a little, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And yet, he helps hold back many of the consequences that should come upon us as a result of our sin. Every single sin deserves an immediate and natural consequence. But in his mercy, we don't always experience the natural consequences of our wrongs. And we many times think that nothing happens either A, because God is wrong about sin, or B, because that we are smarter or more capable than others. And that's why we don't go through the consequences that we should face. When we were God's enemies before coming to Christ, God would still allow for us to see some good, to have the things that are necessary for us. If we look at things from a very objective point of view, God is truly good to us at every moment, every day, giving us undeserved things all of the time. If we thought about everything that needs to happen so that those things that we see as simple or take for granted take place, we would then understand the magnitude of his goodness and how he uses his omnipotence, his omniscience, and his omnipresence. Think about this for a moment. According to the Bible, and as we just read before, that in him all things consist, which means that everything that exists can exist because he allows it to exist. If we are alive and breathing, it is because of him. If everything in nature works the way it works, it is because he wills it. And so, what if God allowed for a little thing called the orbit of the earth, or the earth's eccentricity around the sun, to change more than usual, and for the earth to get just a little bit closer than usual to the sun? What then? If that were to happen, we would experience climate shifts that would be detrimental to our existence. Temperature rises would occur that would be devastating to our food and water supplies. We would all basically die and or be consumed rather quickly if it were something significant. If we were to get much closer, human existence would be completely eradicated. Yet God keeps the earth in place just enough so that we either don't get consumed by extreme heat or extreme cold because the opposite happens when we get farther away from the sun. 
And many of us don't even think about those mechanics and about how far away from our control these things are from us. We don't wake up in the morning worried about things like that. We just live out our lives taking something like that for granted. And yet God takes care of things like that and many more. And we have the audacity to be unhappy if much less significant things don't happen or seem to go our way. And what's worse, many people get upset at God because much less important and trivial things are supposedly not taken care of. Our very limited state makes us out to be very ungrateful and foolish people. That's the truth. Just think about it for a moment and you will realize just how bad and ungrateful we are when we think about all of the incredible and great things that happen because God wills them to happen. Think about everything you take for granted, about all the things that are beyond your capabilities that occur at every moment because of God's faithfulness, because of His goodness. Even those things that you think you have power over only happen because God allows them to happen or take place. Do you have power over your breathing? Do you have control over the beating of your heart? Does your blood pump through your body because you are constantly thinking about it? How about your senses? So you see, there are so many things that we have no control over or that we don't even think about consciously happen because God somehow lets them happen. And we live and survive because of all those things we do take for granted and have no power and or control over. And yet the Lord is on top, if you will, of all of those things. There is where you start to see the extent of his goodness along with all of other attributes that make him the God he is. His omnibenevolence should be the most meaningful attribute to us. He is the almighty, all-knowing, ever-present God, but he is truly a good God. He loves us. He loves you and me. And he does things every day that prove this over and over more than we could ever imagine. He gives us life. Whether it is a few years or decades, we get that time to find him out of our own free will so that we could have the opportunity to choose for him. Quite frankly, he is the one that looks for us all of the time. Every time we see the sun go up, that is his way of saying, here I am. Look at what I do for you. Every time we take a breath, that is the life that he gives to all mankind, the breath of life. And his desire, because he is love, is for us to look for him out of our own free will. He doesn't want robots. We are not robots. We weren't made that way. We were made as beings with reasoning, with the ability to experience things through our own senses and with the right to choose. And his desire is ultimately for us to choose for him, to trust in him as we learn through our own experience who he is and what he does for us globally, but even more meaningful individually and personally. The Lord is God. The Lord is truly a loving God and he shows his love as he uses his omnipotence, his omniscience and his omnipresence in our favor to provide for us, to help us with the most important thing anyone could ever help us with, with our eternal salvation. We see his omnibenevolence in how he deals with us. Rather than allowing for us to just pay for our sins and wrongs, he bestows his grace and mercy on us both things that are completely unmerited through his son, Jesus Christ. King David said this, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as his heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. 
when we attempt to be fair with him by fearing him, by learning to love him, by being grateful to him, we find favor before the Lord. Who can we trust that can be in any kind of way like the Lord? Who can do the things he does for us? Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. If we truly understand who he is and what he does for us, we would understand that he is the best we can trust. We have nothing to lose with the Lord, but actually quite the contrary. We have everything to gain with him, eternal life and eternal reward. My most excellent advice that I could offer you is to choose to trust in the God that is above all other gods and all other things, whose Son is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is wise to put your trust in the one that uses all of his abilities for your eternal good. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, you are truly good in every kind of way. You are the Almighty. You are the All-Knowing. You are the Ever-Present. You are the one who was and is and is to come. You are the one that reigns forever and ever. But Heavenly Father, what is truly incredible for us is your love, your goodness toward us. Lord, we are evil and sinful people. And yet, you don't treat us the way that we deserve to be treated. But rather, you are merciful, you are loving, you are gracious. Lord, you have done so much for us. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because truly you are a good God. You are a loving Father. Thank you, O Lord, that you love us in that way. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your Son, Jesus Christ, for your sacrifice through Him. Thank you, O Lord, Heavenly Father, that we have the hope of salvation, the hope of forgiveness for all of our sins. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you help us to learn and experience you every day through your word, through, through just going through this life and just observing all of the incredible things that are all around us, all things that declare that you are who you are and that show your faithfulness at every moment. Help us, Heavenly Father, Lord God, not to take those things for granted, but rather to appreciate them and to take them as opportunities to learn who you are and that you are worthy of all praise and majesty and love. Heavenly Father, Lord God, please forgive us for the hardness of our heart. Please forgive us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, for allowing ourselves to be drawn away by small and insignificant things and leave aside your greatness and the wonder that you are. Please, O Lord, have mercy on us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.